4: Feeling about this.
2: Welcome to episode two hundred and seventy two of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Hals Burkhart, and I'm your host, Will Witten. And we are just a couple of weeks away from Season 2 of The Mandalorian And as just a such a couple of dudes Yeah, just Looking forward to The Mandalorian No big deal No biggie Uh, as such The Mandalorian promotional machine It seems to be slowly gearing up We're getting little bits of information here and there That's a lot of what we'll be covering tonight Along with some, uh News about Obi-Wan and Cassian uh, and Disney Plus looks like uh, we could potentially be in for a much stronger focus on Disney Plus uh, in the future. And uh, some sort of restructuring within Disney, the corporation, seems to sort of lead that way. But before we get to that, let me give you guys a quick bit of business. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Podcast. You can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at Blue Harvest Pod, And we have a Patreon where if you enjoy our show and want to support us for as little as $3 a month, You'll get access to an exclusive RSS feed where we post all kinds of bonus podcasts. This week we have the brand new episode of Star Wars Year by Podcast with me and our buddy Steele. You can also check out the video version, the full video version of that, on Steele's YouTube page. And I uh, think I'll have a Hall solo up this weekend as well. Um. <clears throat> And besides those, we have Cooking with Will, Jaws, Oh No, It's Hall Solo, Padula Rasa, Blue Harvest Adventures, uh, Masters of Harvest Kassi. Uh I feel like I'm forgetting something. Because the, and the only reason I'm forgetting is because there's so many. So check us out at patreon.com slash Podcast, And a big shout out to our patrons. You guys rule. You guys are the best. So, buddy, how has your week been? Oh man, it's been busy
0: and stressful in a good way, but like, I'm packing this house up in order to move to a new one, and that is just incredibly stressful with uh, a toddler and an infant.
2: I can only imagine. But, you know, once you get in and get settled, I'm sure it will all be worth it, you know? Yeah, Just got to keep the eye on the prize, you know what I mean? Yeah, eye on the prize. Well, buddy, uh, my week has been uh, essentially comprised of recovering from Saturday night. What happened Saturday night? I got too inebriated. Oh, really? Too enhanced, if you will. Uh, you say, oh, really, but you you bore witness to I it. I remember. I was there.
0: Yeah. It was like your mic went mute,
2: yeah, that is what you call an anxiety attack live on Xbox Live, oh my goodness, buddy, uh underestimations were made, yeah, got too enhanced, yeah, uh that I,
0: happened that happened when we went to
2: California, I was about to say California it was almost an exact repeat of the California incident, but we uh so. Uh, I I I kind of thought maybe I'd gone uh, a little too far while Jesse and I were watching the live premiere of Year by Podcast on on Steele's YouTube. He does like a live premiere and people get in and chat along with the episode and stuff. And right. notice towards the end, I was making some stupid spelling errors. I accidentally logged into my other YouTube channel, so I was in the chat room at. Looked like there were two of me for a second. There was the Halls account. There was the Blue Harvest account. Both chatting at the same time. It was oh ridiculous. Goodness. And then, towards the end of that, I, I, a normal person would have said to themselves, Oh, you know what, maybe i just chill out for the evening. Watch a little TV. Oh no. Not me. Not us. Got on squadrons with you and the rest of the crew. Yes. And I would not shut up
0: i i found it the opposite way like at first like i i thought it was totally normal i guess you thought you were being talkative but you know i thought that that was i thought everything was fine and then all of a sudden you just like there was nothing like there was nothing coming from Hawes.
2: you know how you 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 know the term zero to 60 i went from 60 to zero you did so what, exactly happened was, what happened was i wouldn't shut up i wouldn't stop talking so i start thinking to myself i'm talking too much i'm gonna annoy these dudes people are getting annoyed i'm talking too damn much i'm muting my mic to tell jesse i can't shut up i can't shut the fuck up i'm talking too much and she's like you're not talking too much i'm like i'm definitely talking too much this is what's going on right right and then oh the paranoia hits me you oh know, no! Avoid the noise. like a fucking tidal wave, which then causes the anxiety hit to hit, and I'm like, I'm talking. Well, the only solution is that I just don't talk anymore, and what proceeded to happen was a shame spiral. Oh my god, spiraling hard into the shame, my dude. Feeling like a uh, first day of preschool, wearing a fucking crisp pair of Oshkosh by gosh. You know what I'm saying? Carrying around a fifteen point eight ounce fresh dump in my Mickey Mouse underpants. Oh, like no. that kind of fucking shame spiral. That's awful.
0: And you were just playing with friends. Nobody was judging you. No. And wasn't even streaming,
2: thank God. Thank God wasn't I was streaming,
0: streaming and we were kicking ass, by the way. We won I didn't wasn't that the night we won like three you know, fleet battles back-to-back?
2: Buddy, I don't even remember.
0: You don't remember. That's
2: the, that's the other thing that bummed me out is, like, I've been waiting for all five of us to be on so we could start taking a crack at fleet battles. And I know we played fleet battle, but that's about all I know. That's about all I know. And, bruh, uh, since then, uh, I played a little Sunday, played a little Monday, and then maybe... Some Tuesday, I can't remember. But I've been, like, training in the hyperbaric time chamber and fleet battles, so I can make it up to you guys when we log on again next time.
0: You have nothing to make up.
2: It's just nice to play with you. Woke up the next morning feeling like a big old dum-dum. Like, it's just...
0: You got nothing to feel bad for.
2: Bruh. I went too hard in the paint. You did, You went way too hard in the paint.
0: You got to be careful.
2: Yeah, man. Doesn't happen often. Don't cut that loose that often.
0: You know, you usually drive the bus, but the bus was driving you. Cuckoo, ca-choo. coo ca-choo. I am the
2: walrus. (laughs) I was the walrus. (laughs) I was the walrus. I was on the yellow submarine. You know what I'm talking about? Took a little I visit do. to the octopus's garden. You know what I'm saying? Like,
0: I feel you. I know.
2: hit all the grades. I grates. mean, it must
0: be high or low. <laughs> yeah.
2: Anyway, uh, let's talk about some... Uh, oh, by the way, uh, th- speaking of fleet battle, in my hyperbaric time chamber training, I think I'm getting pretty decent at it. I, um, I,
0: I kick ass at assaulting the ship.
2: You do. I do remember that. I remember you having quite the high capital ship damage score. I figured uh I figured out uh uh I guess it's a loadout that works really well for dealing damage to the capital ship. What do you what are you running on that loadout?
0: I run the multi multi-lock missiles mm-hmm. and the 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 beam, the uh, I forget what it's called, the but beam it's the cannon? beam, yeah, the beam cannon where you charge it up mm-hmm. and it that stays on like damage. a constant beam for a couple seconds. Mm-hmm. If you can get that onto a subsystem and like put the whole the whole charge beam into the subsystem without missing, it will do a lot of damage to a subsystem. Like it'll just start melting it. Yeah, and the uh, the multi lock missiles are really cool because you can fire up to four targets, <clears throat> and if you're assaulting the ship and you're taking a lot of fire from the turrets, you can kill four turrets at once.
2: Yeah, boom, boom, boom.
0: Those, yeah, just wipe it out. And so even on your next run, you'll take even less damage. Yeah. So it's really handy.
2: Um, so right now I'm sort of rocking a general purpose dogfighting loadout mm. for the first phase when you got to sort of take out enemy starships. Right. And then I have my uh, capital ship assault loadout and what I use is the beam cannon and the proton bombs. Those proton bombs are... I haven't
0: used those yet.
2: The only thing is, is you got to get... So they drop like a bomb, you know, sort of like out of the yeah. bottom of your ship, right? I've used them in the... Campaign. Um, in the campaign. Mm-hmm. And they're super effective
0: in the campaign. <clears throat> and I haven't thought to use them in the fleet battle yet. But I know exactly what you're talking about.
2: Yeah, and so... If you can get right, like pass right over a subsystem, you know, like under the shield, you got to be real close to the capital ship, is the one thing that's kind of tricky. Um, mm-hmm. But if you drop those, man, it does massive damage. And hull damage, whew, it obliterates uh, pieces of hull on those capital ships and the flagship. Man, it's mm. they're pretty brutal. Uh, but I have to <clears throat> look into that. The next time we play, I might run support. Because I've been messing around with the U-Wing and the TIE Reaper a good bit. And it's the one pool I have not dipped my toe into that I need to. Yeah, and and the loadout I like to run is 100% support. Meaning like the only uh, offensive capability I have or whatever my laser cannons are. I don't have any missiles, I don't have any bombs, any mines, anything like that. My two side, my two bumper... um, You know, load out things as I do the uh, resupply slash repair kit and then the tactical shield. That tactical shield is pretty nasty.
0: Oh, dude, I can only imagine. What if you had, you know, if you had a squadron of two guys, one support and one bomber, and if you could assist
2: the bomber. That's exactly what I do.
0: And you can re-up his bombs or heal him mm-hmm. for a second run without having to die mm-hmm. and fly another ship all the way to the capital ship. I bet you could melt that capital ship. Plus, you know, if you got the shield boost, you can take a lot of incoming front fire.
2: <laughs> well, not just that. Like, if you're playing on the Empire side, you know, none of the ships besides the TIE Reaper have shields to start shield. off with. Right. So the fact that I could give regular TIE fighters, TIE bombers, and... Uh, fucking tie interceptors a shield it's real handy brilliant i think at least for a couple of rounds next time we play maybe tomorrow saturday or whatever i will um i'll I'll be hooking you guys up on the support side see how it goes
0: cannot wait (coughs) so
2: Let's talk about something that's not squadrons. Squadrons has been dominating the podcast the last couple of weeks because it has because it's a great Star Wars video game. That's fresh. It kicks ass. Is why. Yeah. Uh, something else that kicks ass is our our good old pal Obi Wan Kenobi. Obi Wan.
0: Now that's a name that I have not heard
2: in a long time. A long time. Um. So you know. There's been various ups and downs with the production of this Obi-Wan Disney Plus series. Started off as possibly being a movie. It's been through a couple of showrunners, a couple of different writers. You know, was probably, if everything had gone smoothly, probably would have already been filmed by now, or it at least started. But in a interview this week, uh, Ewan McGregor mentioned that the Obi-Wan series will be filming in March of 2021. So just five months from now, give or take. Boy, that's nice to hear. And it's yeah, nice it to hear that they have a shooting date targeted and in mind. And maybe one day we'll actually get to see this thing. Stay on target. It would be nice. No doubt. So, um, you know, any, we, we've we said it before with the Cassian show, we've said it with Obi-Wan, like, I'm just glad to hear positive news about either of these things because it seems like both of them maybe, maybe had a rougher road to production. Uh, definitely than, rougher than the Mandalorian. Mandalorian seems to have gone pretty smoothly so far. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I just want to see both of them a whole lot, so any news Absolutely. is good news.
0: And I think <sighs> all of the great positive momentum on the Mandalorian can only transfer to a a positive foundation for Obi-Wan to start from.
2: Yeah, and Cassian as well. It seems like Right, and Cassian. You know, uh, I'll I'll be really interested to see how much sort of the the technological side of things. All these Disney Plus series share with each other. Um, Yes. You know, will Cassian and Obi-Wan be using the volume? There was that rumor that came out that, you know, Obi-Wan would be using the volume in its production, which would Mm -hmm. make a lot of sense. I I don't know that. I mean,
0: why wouldn't you is my
2: question. Right, especially with it seemingly uh, having worked so well in the mandalorian i I just don't see why you wouldn't so um you know and and i also think applying the same uh set of technology to all these series will give them a consistent sort of look and vibe you know yes which i think is good as well because Well, I I wouldn't say that The Mandalorian looks like a full-on Star Wars theatrical production 100% of the time. It comes damn close. Right, absolutely. And you got to imagine that the more comfortable they get with that, the better results they'll get, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. And, Um, you know, technology improves exponentially over time. Yes. So not that it's going to be drastically different from the Mandalorian season one, but there will be improvements to the technology that didn't exist when they were doing Mandalorian, you know, you know things they've developed since then.
2: Right. Right. Um, also, there are some things floating around online right now. I'm actually looking for the source of this information. I believe it's some sort of production listing website. Uh, Okay. Production list has Cassie and Andor show titled Star Wars Andor, and shoot date is November 4th. Uh, So if that's. 2020? Yes. Okay. So if that is correct. Uh, And that's not some, you know, weird clickbaity type website. Um, It looks like Cassian's going to be going (laughs) into production real soon, which once again makes a lot of sense because remember a few months ago we talked about, I believe it was Neil Scanlon. It was somebody in the creature department saying that they were about six weeks away from shooting when they had to shut everything down because of coronavirus. Right. So if that was really the case, then, you know, this probably would have begun, started shooting sometime in May. And uh, with after everything shutting down and things slowly starting to ramp back up as far as productions go, it makes sense that it would probably be pretty close to filming. Um, yeah. It just makes you wonder. So, like, Cassian's going to be possibly filming this November. Obi-Wan in March. When do we end up seeing these shows? Right? That's the question Maybe for me. a year?
0: I mean, how long does it take to produce? Well... I mean, maybe less. You know, six to nine months, possibly. But I would
2: assume a year. Yeah, I would think... I would think 2022 for sure would be obi-wan i don't think we see obi-wan next year if it's starting in march and you gotta figure they're gonna spend minimum of a few months filming that thing right yeah maybe as many as like six months filming it depending on what all they're doing and all the locations and stuff you know when the year first started
0: and i'm sure i talked about it then like when i was young i thought oh when we get to the the 2020s that's when the future really starts when people start saying 2020 or 2021 like uh but i gotta tell you right now i am ready to put 2020 in the rearview mirror bro and uh put the gas on to the rest of the 2020s yeah
2: dude can we just like (laughs) just uh take a, a gimme on this one and just consider next year mulligan yeah
0: let's call 2020 on account of rain and let's move on to 2021
2: yeah let's just fuck this one
0: even fuck 2021 let's go right to 2022
2: whatever it takes man whatever it takes to get into a place where i'm not fucking anxious all the time that i'm gonna die from a fucking pandemic whatever it takes my man because i feel right now instead of feeling like we live in the future it kind of feels like we live in the dark ages you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Like people walking around in plague masks and shit. Yeah. Being hateful. Um, so, okay. Since we're talking about when things shoot and when they will possibly be released, um, today it came out in a Variety article that John Favreau, says that The Mandalorian is on schedule to start production of season three before the end of the year. So, all right. When when does this all start coming out then? If they're starting season three by the end of this year, that seems like maybe it's getting a little bit of a later start than the first two seasons. Because I know when they did the premiere for season one of the Mandalorian, like all of the cast, uh, had been filming season two that day, you know, and that was sort of early November. Right. Right. So maybe Mandalorian season three doesn't hit, uh, as early as it is this year. Like maybe it doesn't come out until, you know, like you said, a year out, the end of the year next next year. Right. So could we be looking at a situation where we possibly get two Star Wars Disney Plus shows back to back? Could we get Mandalorian season three and then Cassian or vice versa? You see Don't what I'm saying? Me.
0: Don't tease me, bro.
2: Well, the way things are lining up and you gotta you also wanna include the bad batch which is coming out sometime next year. True. Sure. Uh, Mandalorian season three, Cassian, Obi-Wan, and then whatever the fuck else they have planned. Like things are going to start lining up and you're not, e- and then past that, you're not even factoring in all the Marvel shows. Like we're going to get to a point where there's either going to be nonstop Marvel and star Wars content on Disney plus if they really keep up this pace or we're even going to get some weird overlap where, you know, a new episode of a Marvel series comes out the same week as an episode of Cassian or the Mandalorian or Obi-Wan or whatever. (laughs) You know, I, I have to imagine that I don't know about overlap, but, Disney plus Disney as a corporation would love if they just had a weekly piece of new content to hype up like that. Of course only uh, keep talking about a
0: self-marketing campaign. What's new this week on Disney plus?
2: Yeah. I mean, you I can't think of any better way for them to retain subscribers and get new subscribers. Right. So and not that they're hurting right now. They're doing really well. So I just have to imagine that we're going to get to that point eventually with everything they have planned and everything they have in production. And uh, they even announced this week there was this (laughs) restructuring of the entertainment division at Disney where they are putting an even greater focus on streaming in Disney+. Uh, and you have to imagine that part of that is due to the events of this year. You know? Yeah. Where, you know, Disney hasn't had a movie in theaters all year, basically. Yeah. Um. So, you know. They maybe They released Mulan.
0: Uh, what is it? From, uh, direct premiere or something like that. I forget what it's called.
2: We have Premier Access on Disney Premier Plus. Access. That's right, and you know they put uh, they put that Pixar movie that had just come out as theaters started to close. They put that up on Disney Plus, and then the newest Pixar movie, the one after that, is coming out on Disney Plus. I think in December of this year. Uh, but it's clear that they're not going all in on that because there's been no mention of things like black widow or the eternals hitting Disney plus. So they clearly still have some sort of theatrical presence in mind, but I, I just don't know. like with them restructuring to focus on streaming. Like what does that mean for star Wars movies in the future? What does that mean for Marvel movies in the future? Right. You know, like, I. <clears throat> right now, things are so hard to predict. Like, what is the state of movie theaters going to even be once this is all over?
0: Yeah. It's a lot. To me, it's a lot like restaurants. Like, you mm-hmm. have no idea how many restaurants will actually survive on the other end of this thing. None. And man. you have no idea how many actual movie theaters will survive on the other end of this thing. Like,. You know, unless our government does something to save these businesses from going under, which they have not yet, uh, you know, it it's not looking good. You know, and movie theaters may be not as ubiquitous as they once were. It Just as much, you know, there may be far fewer independent restaurants in town. Like, thus may begin the demolition man franchise wars. You know, after this is over. Oh the-
2: shit. Where are fucking Taco Bell rules the world and shit.
0: Yeah. Taco Bell won the, won the, the franchise wars.
2: Um, every restaurant is Taco Bell. Yeah. I don't know, man. Uh, it's just, it's so hard to figure out and I'm not in fucking corporate business. So I have even less insight. I just, <clears throat> you know, we got the Taika Watiti star Wars movie. Um, which, you know, isn't even until 2023. So you'd have to imagine that by 2023, like, <laughs> right? Like, it's going to be straightened it, out, right? Um, you know, you never know. Like, it,
0: it may be, it it may not be a steep economic recovery. It may be a protracted, elongated rise. Right. And depending on how steep it is, you know, or how not steep the gradient of the rise is yeah <clears throat> but i mean we, i would hope by 2023 i would hope but i'm
2: not sure let's uh let's keep talking star wars because <laughs> uh, there,
0: you know have you seen what the socially distanced con concerts look like I like it. little pods. Yeah, I basically. saw that.
2: Uh, who was it that did a special? Somebody this week did a special concert where everybody was in bubbles. The Flaming Lips did like a special concert where the entire crowd were in like those those big vinyl clear bubbles. That you see, people I haven't like,
0: seen that, but uh,
2: I had seen the one where every
0: you know basically every party you know like I guess up to six people. You're you're your seating party was in its own little pod, which was six feet from another pod, you know, like these little checkerboard across a big open space, you know, so nobody could get close to each other. Like, I wonder if movie theaters would go to that to where you can't sit right next to a stranger. Like, there'll be a cluster of right. four to six seats that you'll sit with your sitting party, and then there'll be these other pods or bays or whatever.
2: You know what sucks is uh, Saturday. Jesse and I were gonna go to the drive-in, right? Right. Uh, and all the showings got canceled because of the fucking hurricane weather.
1: Oh yeah.
2: Yeah. Can't go to a drive-in in a thunderstorm.
0: I mean, you can, but you can't watch anything but the thunderstorm. Yeah,
2: for real. Um. So speaking of Mandalorian season three, which we were just talking about, uh, Phils. Stow, Stow Stack. Phil Stow Stack, he's the head of the Lucasfilm Art Department. Um, he had a, a couple of interesting comments on his Twitter account today uh, in relation to that Variety article where Jon Favreau said that they were on schedule to start filming season three by the end of the year. And he said, oh, by the way, the reason, I guess part of the reason besides the obvious stuff that it's getting uh, pushed to the end of the year this time, is that Pedro Pascal is off filming a movie right now. Oh, okay. With Nicolas Cage. The Uh, Cage Man? The Cage Man. Nicolas Cage is going to be in some sci-fi movie with Tony Jaw. by the way. That's cool. Yeah.
0: I'm ready for Nicolas Cage to come back to uh, the mainstream.
2: Yeah. He's been living in B-movie land for long enough. Uh, but this is what Phil had to say uh, in response to that scheduling. He said, "We've been busy little bees in the Lucasfilm art department, having started work on season three back in November of 2019, just days before Disney Plus launched and season one dropped." So that just gives you a little insight into how, into sort of how far these things are planned ahead and approved. They've you know? got legs yeah i mean <clears throat> which you know knock on wood if there's going to be a season four of the mandalorian it probably means they're uh, tossing around some ideas for that thing right now you know right man to be a fly on the wall like we've only seen season one and they're fucking possibly cooking up a season four at this point
0: man oh man
2: And this, and no, I don't want to, I don't want to get your hopes
0: up, but it does make you wonder about what other possible spinoffs, like an Ahsoka show or a Boba Fett Mm -hmm. show, like what could happen Yeah, if you're going to have four seasons of the Mandalorian.
2: Yeah. Potentially
0: more or more.
2: You know, I'm very excited at the prospect of uh, an Ahsoka show. I'm very excited at the prospect of a Boba Fett show, obviously. But on the other hand, I don't want The Mandalorian to just be, like, uh, the place where they launch other spinoffs, you know?
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I know what you mean.
2: Like, I just don't want it. I want it to also be able to stand on its own and have its own purpose in the greater Star Wars world instead of just being, like, Well, The Mandalorian, you know, it's what launched the Ahsoka live-action spinoff, and the Boba Fett spinoff, and the IG-11 spinoff, and so on and so forth, and
0: who knows? But on the flip side of that, you need an established, you know, you need an established uh, vehicle
2: to launch these things. Right. I
0: mean, if they're not just launching on their own.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's for sure. And... You know, I, I don't know that this is sort of what they're doing, you know, but the idea of them having their own sort of connected Disney plus live action Star Wars TV show universe where think crossovers can happen kind of like they did with the, um, or they do with the CW DC shows. Yeah. Like that always makes me a little jealous. Like man, that would be neat to have yeah. in Star Wars. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Um, and if if this is how they get to something like that, man, that could be cool. Like if there's, if this all leads to some big event where all these characters sort of reunite <laughs> and regroup to face off against some great evil or whatever it is, some great threat. Like, yo, sign me up for that. That could be cool. That, that could be cool.
0: Um, some major, well, you know, like, I don't know, like you can, well, this is after Return of the Jedi, right? Right. So as far as we know, nothing major really happens in the galaxy until I guess the rise of the first order or the assault on Hosnian prime. I'm not sure how big you know i don't have a reference for how big those events are within the galaxy Only you know one. what i'm saying so like but i'm it's a
2: galaxy you know so other
0: other big stuff could happen
2: yeah i mean while we don't have any indication that something huge happened in between return of the jedi and the force awakens we don't we also don't have anything saying that it Nothing didn't happen yeah. you know
0: life was boring
2: and plus there's you know the the outer rim and the uh unknown regions like there's There's a whole
0: region that's unknown
2: yeah you could you could do all kinds of shit really whatever you want sky's kind of a limit um it is interesting to sort of have it bookended by two saga films but there's a 30 plus year gap in the the timeline so you do have quite a bit of time to play around with the Mandalorian where, takes place you know not crazy long after return of the jedi
0: where han solo and chewbacca have faded into the obscurity of smuggling once more leia's off you know guiding the resistance which is not looked upon favorably and luke skywalker is a hermit on a water planet yeah yeah
2: <clears throat> all right
0: other 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 bad things have to happen in the galaxy. The galaxy needs heroes. Right. To stop it from falling to pieces while everybody
2: else is busy. Right. I I you know, I I definitely think there's plenty of room for some cool storytelling and
0: but the thing is you can't make it too big and then not reference it and have it referenced
2: in those movies, you know what I'm talking about? That that's the other thing cuz that's cuz if there were You know, obviously, I don't think you could do something on the scale of the Galactic Civil War from the original trilogy because it would seem awfully odd not to mention that. I mean, you would know why you would know the real world reason why that stuff is is not mentioned. And that's because they talk about pulling you out of the universe, you know, the universe. Yeah. You know, it's it's one of those things like. The, the Ah, the dangers of playing with the timelines yeah and and you know the Mandalorian is such a right now at least such a, a smaller focus story sort of on the fringes of the Star Wars universe, but <clears throat> that's the other thing is you start to expand that and do spin offs and focus on other characters, then you know that just grows, yeah. and then you know you can't just stay in the one area and focus on small stories like. I think the Mandalorian's scale is going to progressively jump, you know?
0: Right. And, like, I hate, you know, I know I always do this, and I kind of hate that I do it, but to use the Marvel Cinematic Universe as not a template, but as a a reference tool, you know, how, how do you pull off, independent shows and crossovers and then the avengers level threat right like right how how do you do that within star wars and i you know you would need a clean slate i would think you know you would have to pick up after episode 9 you know i'm not sure you could fit it in between return of the jedi and the force awakens now it's possible but like i said it would be weird not to reference some huge avengers level threat for the galaxy
2: right I mean, that's that's the thing. That's for people who are way better at writing Star Wars than me. You know <laughs> what us, I mean? Yeah. And, and yeah. they got some incredible people working in Star Wars, so they could find a way to do that. You know, honestly, I think going way back in the timeline is another way you could do that. Right, you know, right. I obviously. I totally agree. But, um, yeah, I just... I like the idea of having all these sort of independent shows that can then interact with each other. Because obviously, like, Obi-Wan and Cassian, they're not going to cross over with the Mandalorian. Right. You know, those are are set in a very specific time frame with a much shorter period of time that they can cover. You yeah. know? Uh, so and it's
0: sad because you know how Cassian Andor died. And you know how Obi-Wan Kenobi dies. And there's only so far you can push that until that inevitably happens.
2: Yeah, I mean, that is sort of the bummer, but it's, it's also like, you're talking about two of the the fucking better actors in Star Wars coming back to reprise pretty kick-ass roles. Absolutely. So I'll take whatever I can get as far right, as that. Right, You can shoehorn whatever
0: in there you want to. <laughs> Just, I'll take it. Be, Feed
2: me be six episodes of obi-wan playing hollow chess in the cantina and i'll be like wow it's uh that's not where i expected to go but great back to have five. you <laughs> great to have you in back three out of five <laughs> um yeah it's just i think the fact that in between revenge of the sith and The Force Awakens, you know, no diss to Clone Wars because Clone Wars is great, but like we didn't have any theatrical Star Wars. And in that time between those, you had the entire rise of the MCU where they did do the big connected universe with the solo movies that leaded to the team ups. And yep. so much of it is so strong and so well executed that. I would like to see Star Wars attempt something like that, but you couldn't really do it with the sequel trilogy because it's a trilogy. And, you know, it's, it's sticking to the tried and true format of a Star Wars trilogy. Uh, I kind of feel like maybe they wanted to do that with Solo, but Solo didn't do so well. So that threw a wrench into that. So if this is our second chance at this and it's, you know the the Mandalorian cinematic cinematic universe where all this stuff spins off of it. Like that could be pretty cool. Um, I
0: was really looking forward to seeing Alden Ehrenreich uh, do Han Solo in his prime, in his stride. You know what I mean? Like we saw young Han Solo and the emotional price of basically learning to shoot first and having to do the dirty work. And I wanted to see his self-assuredness go further. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, and and just think about it. Like, with the prequel trilogy, you had Ewan McGregor come on board to reprise a fan-favorite role. And not just a fan-favorite role, a role that was portrayed by Alec Guinness. Alec Guinness, Big shoes to fill. And I like Obi-Wan in The Phantom Menace, but you and mcgregor as obi-wan to me really shines in episode two and three exactly and just imagine if alden ehrenreich had been given the same opportunity because i thought he did really well in solo i
0: thought so too but imagine and
2: um donald glover oh donald glover are you kidding me i could not get enough
0: of donald glover's lando (laughs) calrissian
2: but just imagine a second solo movie or you know another movie involving him as solo i think he would have just continued to grow into that role and really uh nail it even further so in that regard it's it's definitely a missed opportunity um but you know we'll see what the future holds (laughs) i don't know how them hashtags are gonna work out for folks but we'll see what the future holds so, buddy, you want to jump in and do some voicemails and some emails? I do. All right. I do. Give me one second to play us a little song. And a little ditty. Yeah, from a buddy Steve. The Itty Bitty Ditty Committee. The Itty Bitty Ditty Committee, he says.
0: Because we have little ditties. Yeah,
2: about Kia D. About Kia Diddy. Kia Diddy. Here's a little Kia Diddy.
4: Kia
1: D.
2: Kia D! D! Cockhead! The only Jedi master who can crash box Kia Cockhead! Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead! He's a big Suebian stud! He loves to split chicks with his bud! Kia D! Cockhead! To so stroke his cone and suck on his balls! Kia D! Cockhead! What you gonna do? On you now.
0: He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be plumping spooge tomorrow.
1: Cockhead. Blue Herbs. Cockhead. Cockhead. Harbinger. Cockhead. will win. Cockhead. Goose
2: Payne. Cockhead. G Money. Cockhead. King Tom. Cockhead. Joe. Cockhead. Key and D. Cockhead. Cockhead. all righty first up we got the man the myth the legend he of the lando quatrain hey halls and will it's king tom the king of all toms
0: tomas rex
1: Hey there, Hawsenwill Will. I was taking a break from Squadrons today so I could follow along to this virtual panel I think they were having as part of you know, the virtual New York Comic Con uh, featuring some of the Star Wars authors talking about the High Republic. And I don't think there were really any earth-shaking, shattering reveals, but my favorite part of it was the authors were talking about all the different Jedi, and obviously the Jedi are going to be a huge focus of the High Republic, Um, but a lot of the Jedi tend to personalize the Force, and they can feel or see, perceive the Force in different ways. Like, one of the Jedi um, sees the Force or feels the Force as music. There's a Wookiee Jedi who... I, and I think the way they described it, that, that this Jedi saw all life as a tree belonging to the same tree. And this is something, because I love it when they get into the Force and they get a little bit weird of it with it. And we've, we've kind of gotten hints of this before in other Star Wars properties, namely the excellent Revenge of the Sith novelization, um, which really gave us an insight into how Obi-Wan perceived everything, all of not just life but the non-living material in, in, in the universe as being part of the force and also gave us a view as to how Anakin saw the force but I wanted to ask you guys if if you were you know, writing yourselves as Jedi or if you, you were Jedi and you can pick how you felt the force I, want, I wanted to know what way you would want to perceive life, the force. Personally for me I, I don't know if this is the right word for it but I think it's called synthesisia where it's like you either hear colors or you see music. I think that would be a cool way to perceive things. If I had to guess for you guys Will, I think you would see life as a recipe not necessarily like you want to cook people but more like you saw how everything fit in around you um, and, and Hawes I think you would feel the force like animals. Like if something was was good, you'd you'd want to cuddle it or you know you know pet it. And if something was bad, it would be like a spider or a snake. And that's what I think for you two guys. But I, I, I'm curious to know if there's any other ways that you would want to perceive the force. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for a great podcast, and I'll talk to you guys later.
2: Damn, that is a cool way to approach. Oh my goodness, writing about the force. I was not. Right? So I've been sort of uh, staying away from the High Republic stuff, not because of spoilers or anything, but just because, like, you know, it was supposed to come out in August and I was really excited. And then because of the pandemic stuff, it got pushed back. So, like, I've kind of pushed it out of my mind until it's a little closer. So I wasn't aware of this. And that's uh, really cool. Um, Yeah, I don't... What do you think, Will? How do you think if if you were to write yourself as a Jedi character, how would your character perceive the force?
0: Um, I like King Tom's analysis mm-hmm. of how we both would view it. I think that's pretty spot on.
2: I do too. Um
0: uh, but I I also like the idea of if I were a Jedi in knowing me, um I would I like the idea of, like, a walkabout. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, like a John,
2: John Locke-style walkabout.
0: A John Locke going off into the galactic wilderness to shed your preconceived notions of what the Force is and letting the Force speak to you on its own terms. Uh, maybe, like, a a, a dream, dream state, like a dream vision, vision quest. Mm-hmm or like a psychedelic experience. <laughs> like I think that's really that would be really cool for me.
2: Okay. I kind of like that. Kind of connectedness of all things.
0: Uh allowing the force to speak to me through my dreams and that's, you know, that's kind of a cop out cuz that's what, you know, Jedi have visions anyway, but deeper than that. Does that make sense like?
2: Right. And, and the and episode and...
0: that comes to mind in Clone Wars is when Yoda uh, has that, like, vision quest and speaks to the different aspects of the Force. Right. Like, that's pretty on point of what I would I would dig. Trying yeah. to trying to understand the Force through its personification to me in different psychedelic experiences. Vision quests. <clears throat>
2: so, like, in in some ways, not too far off of what king tom was saying right where you sort of see the force as a recipe as as like all living right. things and its component parts and how they come together right and how they come together right um his animal one kind of nailed it for me so right. like i'm gonna have to come up with like a stronger number two <laughs> well a second not a number <laughs> uh <laughs> um <clears> he <throat> of the strong number twos. Yeah. <laughs> strong number twos. Um, I don't know. Like, maybe it would be, I would view the force.
0: <clears throat> Thin- synesthesia, I think is what he was talking about.
2: Right, right. Where,
0: Where you, the people with synesthesia hear a sound and then see a color. Or taste, like it can come through different senses, like yeah, people might. hear certain certain colors gross them out, or are very palatable, you know, it, it, or numbers, or different things.
2: Yeah, like I wonder, like would it be cool to have a Jedi character who sees the Force in like numbers and patterns? Mm. Because that's something that I'm kind Beautiful of mind kind of interested in, like. The Fibonacci sequence, Yeah, stuff like that. Like, okay, so I'm going to clue you into something that I do that I've only clued one other person into, and that's Jesse, right? So, you know, I do a lot of driving for my job. I Yeah. And when you're driving hours at a time, you see a lot of other cars and trucks and stuff on the road. And something I do, um, I don't know when it started, but I've done it for the longest time, is I add up all the numbers on the back of trucks or cars, like their license plate numbers. I add them all up, and I play this game in my head where I have to run through the lost numbers. So, like the very first, like I can't. I, I gotta find a truck or a car whose numbers on the back of it. And when I say a truck, like you know, like a an eighteen like a wheel. semi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all the numbers add up to four, and once I've found four, then i got to find one where they all add up to eight, then 15, then 16, then 23, then 42. Uh, Damn it, I missed my exit following
0: the Jack Shepard truck. <laughs> no,
2: no. I, well, I'll tell you this, and it's goofy as hell, but if I get on the road and real early, like let's say you know I'm on road by 6 a.m. or something, if the first number I see, if the first number I add up equals to twenty three, I go, "Oh, it's going to be a pretty good day."
0: Twenty <laughs> three. You know, I used to do the same thing when Beatles songs would come on the radio. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I turned on the radio, I was headed to work, and a Beatles song came on. I was like, "Oh, the universe is telling me it's going to be a good day." That was <laughs> that was the universe did that just for me.
2: So, I th- yeah, that's
0: you. Uh, do you ever? So you go for the lost Yahtzee. Yes. And once once you get up um, and to 42, you get lost Yahtzee, right?
2: Yeah, and then I might, depending on the link, it's very rare that I get through all of them, you know? And after I told this to Jesse, now she does it when we're on road trips or something. Oh, She'll nice. call them out.
0: That's pretty cute, man. Um.
2: So, yeah, I think maybe I would be a Jedi who views the, sor- the Force through, like, numbers and patterns.
0: Sudoku Jedi.
2: Mm-hmm. Maybe not so much Sudoku, but like you were (laughs) saying, Fibonacci sequence, like algorithms, color patterns, algorithms, stuff like that.
3: Yeah.
2: All right. So this, this podcast, we got, we're about to get the Tom Yahtzee. Oh, cause now we got intercontinental Tom. Let's hear what he has to
4: say. Hey, Hos and Will, this is Tom in Sweden, Uh, just calling with a couple of things. Uh, Number one, I'm halfway through J.W. Rinsler's making of The Empire Strikes Back. Have you guys ever read that? Uh, It's amazing. Um, But one thing that really stuck out to me is, um, you know, like in uh, the current kind of age of fast news, fast responses every little uh, little rumor or uh, leak about um trouble behind the scenes gets uh you know it produces a lot of hand wringing a lot of the skies falling type reactions from the star wars uh, community the star wars media um but if you read the making of the empire strikes back that film which you know is often uh, considered to be the best star wars film of all time and also one of the greatest films of all time that film had tons of problems behind the scenes i mean at one point i think towards the end of the production there were 40 something days over over schedule like um think about the costs of um of running a production of that size for even one day and then it was like 40 something days over schedule and because George was financing it by taking bank loans instead of uh, taking money from a studio, uh, you know the banks were you know were, were like lending him more money but at some point they went like dude like we can't keep rate you know giving you more money and uh, they were they were close to getting shut down now they fixed it of course and they finished the film but um, that was big there's um, an amazing transcript over there of a tape from i think kirst just had like a tape recorder on him that, and they recorded that whole uh, uh it was a day on the um bespin carbon freezing chamber set and there's a whole section where like he and harrison ford were like workshopping the scene and fixing some stuff they weren't happy with but then like carrie fisher got really mad that they were doing that without her and she 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 apparently, like, had yelled at Harrison about it and then Harrison got upset and wouldn't talk to her because she yelled at him and she said, like, am I just a bimbo or something? You don't even, like, include me in these discussions? (laughs) I mean, you imagine if those kind of, like, conversations got out to, like, um, got out to the press on a a modern production. Everyone would, like, it would be, oh, my God, you know, stars at war on the set and dramatically over budget. Mark Hamill broke his thumb or something at at one point. Like, there were tons of problems, and guess what? It turned out to be one of the defining films, not only of the Star Wars saga but of all time. So um, I just think that was I just thought that was interesting. Now uh, I have a question for you guys. Uh, in the Mandalor- Mandalorian season one, each episode is numbered as a chapter, like chapter one, chapter two, etc. Uh, do you think? In season two, will we will we begin from chapter nine and go from there? Or will it be season two, chapter one? And which would you prefer? All right. Thank you so much, you guys. This is Intercontinental Tom signing off.
2: Man, that's some solid information he just gave that us. That
0: is. Thank you, Intercontinental Tom.
2: And I got to say, like, he brings up a Better good than- point
0: incontinent tom
2: yeah that is not a nickname you want (laughs) god forbid a third tom show up with insightful emails because he might just become incontinent tom by default (laughs) poor bastard um
0: so i think it'll pick up where it left off i think we'll go chapter nine so and so and so and so
2: i do too and i think that might actually already be confirmed oh okay i i could be wrong about that but i think something came out somewhere that had it listed as like the first episode being listed as chapter nine and that's actually what i prefer uh because it makes it seem more like uh one long story instead of this sort of, of
0: chunked up seasons
2: right right and then i think it you know, for selfish reasons, it makes it real easy to title episodes. You know, Mandalorian oh, yeah. Chapter Nine review, and ins- instead of Chapter or season season two Chapter One review, and so it on also so quite
0: obviously makes it feel like a story mm-hmm. that has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Because you know, <laughs> books have chapters. Yeah,
2: yeah, and you know, potentially in future discussions, makes it easy to ref easier to reference. Certain episodes and, you know, I think it will help give each episode its own sort of unique identity instead of being, you know, it, it, to me, it's a lot easier to distinguish between episode one, of, uh, you know, calling it chapter nine instead of episode one of season two, uh, especially when you're dealing with a show that's so short, like with only eight episodes per season and stuff. <clears throat> but Tom does... Also, g- it makes me feel like a super nerd.
0: Yeah. In uh, in season three, episode four, minute six. Yeah. You know, like...
2: um, Tom brings up a really good point about the sort of... Tro- I mean, it wasn't just Empire. Like, fucking A New Hope almost gave poor Uncle George a heart attack.
0: Yeah, he damn you know?
2: near killed him. And I think... Uh and this is a little piece of information I got from doing year by year uh year by podcast like I th- believe Return of the Jedi was the only one that finished like on time and on budget but you know Uncle George was basically working uh Richard Mar- Marquand like a fucking director puppet at that point so <laughs> with his hands <laughs> right up his ass Yeah um I think there was a time
0: and an era in Hollywood where every movie had, you know, problems, maybe even extreme problems. You hear about the filming of the birds with Alfred <laughs> Hitchcock and what he did <laughs> Poor Tippy Hedron. You know, you, you hear about what Stanley Kubrick did to, uh, Oh, what's her name? Um, the DuBall. shining. Yeah. Yeah. Shelley
2: Duvall. Um, you know, I, I, I think I don't think it was just a period of time. I think that that's just movie productions you're dealing with. I was about to say I think that continues to this day. Like yeah,
0: and the, I, now movie productions where everything goes right and according to plan. Now, I don't know this. I'm not a movie producer, but you know, those may make boring movies. It may be the bumps and the bruises and the unplannedness that produces some of the magic or tense emotional conflict that you may not see otherwise yeah you know i don't know that i mean i mean i'm sure producers and and um studios love for things to go right according to schedule but if you know i've spent some time building restaurants right and if there's anything i know it's that never ever ever, 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 ever does the building and the opening go according to schedule. Right. And if you think you're going to skip to that schedule, you are just doomed. I mean, you have to be flexible. You have to make things work. And I think that's part of any production, be it construction, development, movie making, any production where multiple people and multiple you know, departments are involved is like juggling chainsaws. Like you have to go with the flow and you know roll with the punches and deal with these problems as they come up.
2: Yeah, and and I, we also can't deny that there have been huge, like crazier than normal problems with a couple of the Star Wars movies, the recent ones, like Solo. Perfect example. Like right. They, you know, they switching
0: directors mid film.
2: And reshooting so much, and we still don't have a great understanding of what the hell happened behind the scenes on Rogue One. And
0: and I don't think we ever will. That's the other thing, like... Yeah. I, I think today it's more important to keep all those things under wraps to preserve the... I don't... The essence of the film like you want you want the film to seem really well put together and and not plagued by issues but you know, the assumption that because it is plagued by issues it's going to be a bad film I think is really um not fair
2: yeah I mean that's that's true and I you know it's I would just like there to be more of a situations like the last Jedi and the Mandalorian where things seemingly seemingly have gone uh, more smoothly just because I'm tired of hearing about fucked up Star Wars productions
0: yeah right I'm tired of hearing about actors that don't love their time on set or love being a part of the movie or you know I'm tired of hearing about that's little oh, reshoots. This it's gonna right. be awful because it's got reshoots. You know, I don't. I'm just tired of that.
2: The actors thing, like that, doesn't even really bother me that much. You know, because everybody, because we don't know what it's like. You know, to be part of this huge franchise, and that, especially if you're part of one of these movies that has all this production turmoil going on. You know,
0: and action sequences that can be torturous. You know, to some
2: of these poor actors. I mean, more of the. Seemingly like I don't know, failures in execution and failures in planning beforehand. Like I guess I just don't understand how you uh get the the two Lego dudes, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, right, to do And then
0: be shocked that they're not sticking to the script. Like,
2: no shit. Really? Right. That's what I'm that's more of the kind of stuff like I I'm I could do without. Like or just, forcing
0: JJ to hit a specific date because you have to release holiday season, you know, like <coughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, there's you don't have to putting all the pressure on it isn't going to make it better. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it, you know, I just
2: I think knock once again, knock on wood. Hopefully, we're in a little better. You know, the the sequel trilogy's out of the way. The Mandalorian seemingly went really well was really well received like if the second season comes out and doesn't hit that sort of sophomore slump type situation you know they can get Cassian off the ground and Obi-Wan off the ground those come out pretty well like I think we'll be in a lot better position um yeah I want
0: them to take their fucking time Mm -hmm. get it done right and don't rush I mean, now that movie theaters are done, that doesn't happen, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, there is no big rush to make the box office date, you know, so that you can cash in on the big bucks of the one time a year. Yeah. The big movie going times of year.
2: I hate that. And I mean, it seems I love like seeing
0: movies at Christmas and I love seeing movies in summer, but I hate that. The glut of cinematic art is pushed out of the pipeline at these two specific times. You you know, just to benefit profit wise and the art may suffer.
2: I would really like and it seems like, you know, with the next theatrical movie not coming out till 2023, that seems like plenty of time. You know what I mean? That's even a year further out than it was initially. So hopefully that gives everybody involved plenty of time. Just fucking nail it, man. Nail that next one in a big, bad way. <clears throat> Alright, let's hear from Jim
3: Hey Halls and Will I am so pumped for the Mandalorian season 2 I find myself thinking uh, about uh, how the plot's gonna unravel, I love that they didn't let us see anything on the trailer really Um, but I, it has not stopped me from cock a speculating and I had some questions and uh, hopes and wanted to run them by you guys, but it's all—it's all about Boba Fett. It's all—it's all about Cobb Vanth, and Boba Fett. <laughs> so when uh, Finnick Shan um, was supposed to meet a contact, you think that that was Boba Fett, right? Maybe she had a line on Cobb Vanth uh, and the Boba Fett armor, and that's why they were supposed to meet up, and that's why he was there. That's what I was thinking. Now, as far as the Mandalorian running into Cobb Vanth first perhaps what I was thinking is that maybe it was Cobb Vanth that found Fennec Shan's body and now he's this sheriff and he's trying to find the person that did it and Mando hears that he's being looked for or or maybe he's visiting Tatooine and he gets hemmed up by uh, the sheriff um, but what I'd really love to see uh, what makes the most sense to me is that he meets Cobb Vanth He says, you're not supposed to be wearing that armor. And basically, I don't see him uh, beating Cobb Vanth with an inch of his life and then taking the armor. I see Cobb Vanth shelling out a mission, you know, for Mando. You do this, take care of this huge problem, and uh, I'll give you the armor. And, you know, he goes off on an awesome quest with Baby Yoda, and they handle it. And then he runs off with the armor, and then... uh, eventually boba fett catches up with him and then all that good stuff ensues but i hope it's uh a few episodes with boba and not um an appearance i hope the appearance is just for ahsoka and short and sweet but what do you guys think uh does where are the holes in my theory? what what makes sense to you oh also what i'd love is actually for Jaren to beat Cobb vance's ass in boba's armor Take it from him. Eventually, Boba gets it back. They have to fight, and you see the Fett difference. You see the Boba difference, and uh, what a, a, a badass fighter will do in that with that armor. But all right, guys. Uh, good night, the green.
2: Jim sucking up to me tonight. Did you hear all that?
0: I did. I heard it, and I gotta admit, I agree completely. <clears throat> like that would be the perfect scenario for me. Is that is that Dinjarin coming across Cobb Vamp in the Boba armor and then expecting a Mandalorian level fight. And then when he's realizing he's not getting, you know, he's not getting what he's expecting out of the fight, you know, doesn't know how to use the jet pack or the rocket or the flamethrower, like just is not living up to a Mandalorian's expectations. He then strips Cobb Vanth piece by piece, like Kung Fu style, as he whips his ass. Um, <laughs> and then holds on to the armor and then comes across maybe Tamara Morrison down the road. It's like, I got something that I think might interest you. You know, like, yeah, I, I don't... don't need Boba Fett and Din Djarin to fight. I like the idea that they're on the same side. But I like the idea of two Mandalorians going at it. Not
2: necessarily Boba Fett
0: himself going at it with Din <laughs> So, this
2: is the thing. Uh, I I don't know how they would handle it because I do kind of wonder, like... With the whole Boba Fett not technically being a Mandalorian, like, how would Din Djarin feel about that? Like, Right. So, my ideal if he situation... he even knows, you know, like... Right, but my ideal situation is your classic comic book versus then team up situation, where, yeah. you know, they fight at first, and then they have to team up. Get right. something greater. I don't know that that's what we're going to be getting, like
0: the Deadpool Spider Man dynamic, or
2: Batman versus Superman, and any in, in, right, but right. things, and not that movie. That's what I'm trying to say. Not that movie.
0: Okay, <laughs> that. I mean not that,
2: not, not that, that but that, Different. but not that. You know what that, I mean? But not that. <laughs> um, I just, I don't know, man, because. I don't get the feeling that any of these special appearances are going to be season wide. You know what I mean? I don't
0: either. I think they're going to be one shots.
2: Yeah, and.
0: Because it would cheapen the quality of his story, Mm -hmm. Din Djarin's and the child's story. The child is about. uh, The child. The story is about Din Djarin and the child. Yes. Like that, the entire story is about the two of them. And the. What is it? The the what is it? They're not a family. They're a a clan, right? A clan right. of two. Right. It, the the show is about their clan, the clan of two, the Mudhorn clan.
2: Right. And and that's the thing about introducing all these other characters. Is is doing that and not distracting from the overall story, like you're talking about, right? Right. And not that the Mandalorian, the show has been opposed to not having the occasional, you know, side quest type story. Like, the Prisoner episode, uh, episode six from season one, It's a perfect example of that. Like, it it does not advance the Mando and Baby Yoda storyline much at all, if at all. It's Mando doing a job and getting wrapped up with, you know, an old crew he used to work with. And it's an excellent episode. They don't all have to be 100% about advancing this whole Mando and baby Yoda or Mando and the child situation. You can take your occasional detour, but that's the occasional detour is what leads me to think like, you know, Ahsoka not going to show up and join the crew for the rest of the season. Boba Fett's not going to show up and be there for the rest of the season. That doesn't mean he won't show up again later down the road or, you know, spin off into his own thing. But I don't know that it's going to be <clears throat> some huge long and drawn out thing.
0: What's you know? interesting to me is knowing Ahsoka is going to be in the show at some point and knowing that Din Djarin's whole purpose is to reunite the child with his people right? or his, his, his clan, right? Like, those two things have to
2: uh relate somehow. Right, and, and I honestly think it could be as simple as she
4: points
0: guides him in, or tells him where to go, you know, yeah. points him in the right direction, like you're saying.
2: Because if this is before her <clears throat> and Sabine have gone off to find Ezra, or if it's during you know her and Sabine's mission to find Ezra. Then Ahsoka's probably in a place where she doesn't feel like she can take on the child. You know her whole history.
0: Uh, you know, being groomed by Anakin may lead her to believe she's not. She doesn't want to. Yeah. You know, guide a youngling like not.
2: Right. Right. There you may get, be
0: some trauma there.
2: Right. For sure. So you know, I i kind of think that's the role she'll serve you know with the mandalorian the other thing we have to keep in mind is the presence of flashbacks flashbacks are not something we've traditionally had to consider in star wars there's something pretty new to star wars you know like the last jedi had some flashbacks Uh, the force awakens essentially had some flashbacks but ooh, it was a force vision you know um,
0: and also, you know, also they've been pretty adamant that Ahsoka is not a Jedi.
4: Mm-hmm. Like,
0: that's how she survives, right? You yep. you, you establish that and you're sticking to it. So, you know, baby, the child is not going to be... Ahsoka is not the child's people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if... I mean, uh, I don't know. You know. They're both Force users, like... To a... The Foundress makes the assumption that he needs to go to the Jedi, right? Right. That's all we really have to go on. But we know that Ahsoka is not a Jedi, you know. But she might know where to find some. Again, I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah. I feel like it's all tangled. But the interesting thing is knowing the the two cameos that we know are going to happen, Ahsoka and Boba Fett, both are... Members of factions that are not considered members of factions.
2: Right. Which is interesting.
0: I Ahsoka was a Jedi. is <coughs> no longer a Jedi. And Boba Fett is, uh, wears Mandalorian armor, but he's not a Mandalorian.
2: One thing that Jim brought up that I thought, like, in my head I thought was pretty funny to imagine is, so, you know, Fennec Shand gets quote-unquote killed. I don't know. I don't think she's dead. But she, she gets quote unquote killed in episode five and then whoever that is, Boba Fett, Cobb Vanth, whoever finds her body, right? I love the idea and I think it would be really funny if Din Djarin ends up getting framed for that when it was fucking Toro that did it. So it's so like fucking douchebag Toro gets one last laugh on the Mando by framing him for a murder he didn't commit. Ha ha. <coughs> All right, we got two emails, and then we'll wrap it up for the evening. This one comes from Kim. What's up, moisture homies? Your Manitoban Jedi homeboy here, Kim. Changing the handle to be to more accurately reflect my Manitoban Jedi homeboyness because Canada is actually freaking huge. <clears throat> I was all snapped up last week and remembered mid-listen to your pod that I had emailed in an email and story. The dread and reversal, remorseful sweat set in, and then you read my email and I thought, not too bad, drunkie. I honestly love the feeling of community amongst us moisture farmers that I get from Blue Harvest. Thanks, brethren. Quick question. Growing up, what are some monumental toys, figures, products that made Star Wars take a center stage and occupy your mind? My family was in the home video when it came up, We were renting VHS machines and betas to watch Star Wars and Empire, but in the meantime, I had picture books accompanied by records that would retell the story and ask you to turn the page at the sound of the chime. Oh, that's cool. What what about you dudes? Any coloring books, pop-up books, or those amazing flyers that they would show all the figures in a wave that occupied your entire mind? Or what figures did you hold high above all? Ignite the green, my fellows, your Manitoban Jedi, Kim. P.S. Last week, Halls mentioned three inches of blood when I asked about your metal preferences. I remember a time when I was way too punk for metal and bummed that I couldn't get into my favorite local watering hole because some out-of-town bangers were occupying the spot with a large cover over ten bucks. Well, I snuck in the back and had my wig blown clean off, three inches of blood touring to scream deadly screamers into my effed up face. Just wow. A life and game changer. That's cool. That um, sounds cool. So when I was a kid, sort of being born in one of the more dead periods for Star Wars. You know, I was born in 83. So by the time I could grasp what Star Wars was, four years later or so, I didn't have a lot of access to like coloring books or pop-up books. But one thing I do remember is a kid. So like in the summer, I went to this like summer daycare thing. Um, I had to be like maybe six or seven, like first or second grade age. Right. right. And I remember this kid coming to daycare with a star wars pop-up book and maybe never having been that jealous in my entire life i just remember being like i want this it was so cool it had one of the like tabs where you could move chewy on one of the pages and i can't even remember which of the movies it was for i kind of want to say return of the jedi but i don't know that for sure and then the other thing i remember just looking at and like drooling over as a kid was the yellow kenner product catalog like the pages were yellow i believe that would come with like figures and vehicles it had to have come with like a smaller vehicle but you would open it up and it just had all the figures all the vehicles toy lightsabers you know, All stuff that wasn't on shelves anymore and I couldn't find as a kid. So, there was no way I was ever going to get it. But just looking at it and being like, they made a Lobot figure? I want a Lobot figure. There's a Han and Carbonite figure? I want that. So, like, those were two things I remember as a kid, like, sticking out in my mind. Like, seeing Star Wars... And knowing that there was Star Wars stuff out there that I just couldn't find. <clears throat> what about you, buddy?
0: My main memories are the power of the Force mm-hmm. vehicles. Uh, yes. That Millennium Falcon with the four buttons that made the sounds and the the X-Wing that had the button on it that made the sounds and you press the R2-D2 down and it would make the wings... Uh the S foils go into attack position oh, That all... and the snow speeder
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, that had the sound button those three vehicles were my bread and butter Like, and, and my favorite action figure was um, Luke Swole, Swole Luke
2: He-Man Luke buff,
0: He-Man Luke, like buff Tatooine Luke with the blue lightsaber and you know that was just it those, and I had uh, some other Star Wars figures but for you know you know, for me, that was that was what defining moments I remember as a kid. Now I don't remember a lot of literature, coloring books, anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only real books, Star Wars stuff I remember is the Sears and Roebuck catalog. Oh my that god! That yeah came every year. Like the Sears and Roebuck catalog would be what I would look at to ask for Christmas toys. You know, Christmas presents. And there was always one in the bathroom at my grandma's house. So every time I use the bathroom at my grandma's house, you better believe I'm flipping through that year's Sears and Roebuck
2: catalog. Hell yeah.
0: But uh, that's what I remember mainly. <clears throat>
2: um, yeah.
0: Oh, and going to – I also went to like a s- summer school daycare kind of thing. But this was – I was much older, um, maybe fourth grade. Fourth grade right before I moved to Mississippi. Um, and the big thing at that daycare was the Star Wars trading card game.
2: Oh, from Decipher. And,
0: yeah, and that was huge. That was really big for me. I spent a lot of time playing that game, playing that game with my brother. Um, I never got any of the expansions, just the main box with the light side and the dark side.
2: Mm-hmm. The starter and, uh, set.
0: Always, yeah, starter set. Only the starter. I always wanted the more cards, the expansions, and all that good stuff. Never got it, but like that stuck with me still sticks with me to this day i think about that that card game a lot
2: (laughs) yeah i have at my parents house i have one of those long white cardboard trading card holders Mm -hmm. filled with those decipher cards oh wow i need to get those someday because that is a trip down memory lane Uh, the cool the cool things the cards did the cool sayings or in the, on the like, cards, the, uh, like the movie quotes. Yeah, and and they would have like little pieces of lore up yeah. at the top that would you know give you a little like trivia bit. Like mm, I love those. And maybe things. I
0: didn't even play it as much as I would just look, flip through the cards. Like yep. look through the cards on the car trip. You know, instead of bringing a book to read on a car trip, I would take the Star Wars that, trading card game and just read all the cards.
2: That was the beginning of my like Star Wars trivia knowledge. Were those cards? Because Exactly. It's it's where I learned that like Hammerhead's name was Mama Nadon and shit like that. You know what I mean? That's all Dan, That's where I learned that.
0: It was where <laughs> I learned the names for the blasters.
2: Yeah. Right? Like the mm-hmm. the DL forty four. Right. E eleven.
0: Uh E eleven. Uh where I learned the names of the planets, like specifically. Mm-hmm you know like it and and all the you know indoor and, and yeah I mean I knew the names but like there were a lot of planets in there so like I got really good at I mean at Coruscant you know Coruscant is not in the uh the original trilogy but it's one of the cards in in that game right it it existed in canon right <clears throat> the fact that the emperor had a palace yeah that darth vader had a you know a fortress on mustafar like all of that
2: so next up we got one more email and this is from chris who i believe is a first time writer he says hey guys i've just started listening to your podcast on podbean and i gotta say i love it i'm a long time star wars fan and gamer so your podcast is perfect for me i'm 35 from new zealand i have recommended you guys to a lot of friends and colleagues Keep up the good work, and I'm only about 10 episodes in at the moment, so I'm not sure if you've covered it or not, but it would be good to hear an episode on kyber crystals, how they choose Jedi, and what the colors mean. Anyhow, gotta go and listen to you guys again while I build my Gundam. Good times. Rock on, hombres. Oh, man. Building a Gundam sounds fucking That's fun. my kind of guy right there. <laughs> that, right? Gundam building.
0: Talking about existential questions with kyber crystals. Being from New Zealand. Like, all, <laughs> all bonuses. We can
2: definitely talk about Kyber Crystals at some point because, you it, know, it, there's not I always mean, something to talk about. In not Star Wars. always.
0: And talk about one of the more trippy and not necessarily uh, concrete elements of Star Wars lore. Like, Kyber Crystals themselves have changed. Yes. Within the last few years, you know.
2: I just. Like, just the fact that they became called kyber crystals is not super new, but a fairly new development in Star Wars, you know? Right. Like, the kyber crystal was almost this sort of, like, holy grail-type artifact in Splinter of the Mind's Eye. It was the it's MacGuffin. Like the
0: Shikon jewel from Inuyasha
2: there you go um
0: (laughs) it was I've never seen it
2: but never seen it but i know my dude knows his anime so i'm agree steve will like that um so what i'm I'm saying is like something that i've always wondered or wondered more recently i guess there's a big difference between always and wondered more recently (laughs) <laughs> um, is when was it established that lightsabers were powered by a crystal? Cause that's one of those yeah. things that I feel like I knew as a kid, but I don't know where I got that information. And then I yeah, remember yeah. reading in the shadows of the empire novelization when Luke is constructing his green lightsaber, like there's a crystal involved. And then, you know, they got into the whole crystals thing and the clone wars and, there's a whole crystals thing in rebels i almost want to say i could be wrong but was rebels where they established that lightsaber crystals were called kyber crystals or was that in clone wars i can't remember i don't know <laughs> and then like as far as the colors go like you know back in the day the whole thing was like oh sith have red lightsabers because they they're uh, synthetic. Yeah, they're they make s- synthetic kyber crystals, and that's what makes the red color. And then, they're not naturally
0: occurring crystals. You know,
2: now in new canon, like Sith corrupt regular Jedi crystals, they quote unquote make it bleed, which turns it red. Um, which I actually think is way cooler and more like fantasy than just yeah. oh they yeah they cooked up some crystal in their fucking trailer park and almost blew up the neighborhood, but they got a a red lightsaber crystal out of it.
0: Um, also there was a point in Canon where lightsaber color and I guess crystal color coordinated with the type of Jedi you were. That was, and I think nice of of the old Republic,
2: right? Where Jedi, Um, where guardians had blue, sentinels Sentinels had green, yellow. Oh, okay. Or some, yeah, whatever it Console was. Consolars had green. That's right. But it's, you know, that was more, it seemed more in line with the game than, I don't know, yeah. man. That's one of the, we can definitely get into it more in depth. Yeah, it,
0: and, and it will take some research. So thank you for bringing that yeah. up. And I'm going to have to uh, do some uh, research and some writing because. I would love to be able to find it's an out. an evolution. You know, the history of Kyber, and the evolution.
2: Yeah. And I'd love to be able to find out what the first mention of lightsabers having crystals was. That's something I would I love.
0: guarantee it's probably some sort of visual dictionary, right? Like in the <sighs> 90s during the Power of the Force or... I, it
2: probably you know, right? predates like, that even. I'm not sure. Really? It's been so Maybe long. a novelization? That's what I was wondering. It's been so long since I've read the novelizations for the original trilogy that maybe it's in there somewhere. I know I read them as a kid but past that I don't know man so
0: i it's you know i read the dinky you know triclops oh son man. of emperor the glove of darth vader glove of darth vader i can't remember if the crystal was in there or not
2: but i can't either they didn't really um they didn't really take much from those and make it official
0: when the kid in the book had you know star, star wars, wars action wars figures action figures and toys i was like oh Mm-hmm. you're breaking the fourth wall I don't know even as a kid I was like Ugh. Mm-hmm. I was with you I was I was Triclops in it I think we that kid's glo- name was love of Darth Vader in it and then the kid had the action figure. I was like oh
2: and I think that kid's name was Ken yeah probably I think it was Ken well guys that's gonna do it for this week thanks so much for hanging out with us we're so close to season two of the Mandalorian you guys it's going to be so much fun Um, if you haven't already please leave us a 5 star review on iTunes it really helps us out and if you enjoy our theme song please be sure to check out the band that was kind enough to provide the music they are Stoned Cobra and you can find them on iTunes Spotify or at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com and until next week When maybe I'll be over my fucking shame, my Star Wars squadron's shame. This has been Blue Harvest, and I'm Halls Burkhart. And I'm Will Whitten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with
1: us.